Welcome to Godseeker. This is Elizabeth Fulgaro. The current message? Beautiful. You're beautiful. No, really, you are. Ha! I can almost sense your guffaw through the virtual space between us. How can I say that, you ask? I don't even know you. And even if we have been blessed to know each other more personally, you probably think I don't realize that you aren't as beautiful as I might imagine. But that's where you're wrong. I know more than you expect. And you were born beautiful and have the potential every day of your life to become more so. Think about it. How many people do you know who see their inherent God-given beauty and handsomeness? How many understand to value themselves the way God wants, the way he has always intended? Instead, what buckets of time, money, and brain space are spent chasing the latest, supposedly greatest, fickle fad? It begs the question, who made the rules? Who decided what is beauty and what is not? Why is it even important? Is our definition of beauty and emphasis on it even relevant to the innate, inherent value of every life and to the work to which we are called for God? It is not. The subliminal message and the sometimes awful reality is that human beings value other human beings based on this subjective understanding of beauty, which is not even constant. But this is where there is such freedom in following Jesus and looking to live God's way, if you can be courageous and receive it. Society may imply, and people may even reject you based on looks, based on artificial standards, and this hurts. But it doesn't have to matter if we can let God grow us above and beyond this. It doesn't mean we stop personal hygiene or stop caring about ourselves, but it frees us from the standards set by others and the fear of, what if? What if you don't conform or look like they tell you that you are supposed to? In current culture within the United States, it frees you to age in a normal way. You don't have to stress about weight because what somebody decided it was acceptable to look like. You can be attentive to your health instead. You can make your concern about taking care of your body so you can live as long as possible in as good of a condition as possible so you are more ready and able mentally and physically to do what God has for you. It frees you from current seemingly unending and truly meaningless mental noise, which fills you with thoughts which mimic being important but truly are not when life is considered from the reality of its true scope and significance. Why is youth better? Why does a certain fashion matter? For what reason does makeup need to be worn and worried about? Because these are the pictures we see. It is what is put in front of us at all times. But consider the motivation of those entities which promote the latest look or to get rid of sagging skin, or to focus on losing the next 10 pounds, or that if your teeth were whiter, then you'd be more acceptable. 
Though they may not be conscious of it, the motivation behind getting you to focus on these externals is so that you will buy a product or a service and have to keep purchasing it. For many of us, underneath our susceptibility to these ideas is a fear of rejection. We were created to need to be loved. We want to be acceptable. We want to be part of community. And there is nothing wrong with these desires. In fact, you are wired for them. But how much value are relationships where they will reject you because of how they have decided you need to look? Obviously, in some fields of work, there are uniforms. There are policies which humans have set. The point here is not to argue when to comply and when not to. The main emphasis is to consider that with God-seeking and God-following as your emphasis, you no longer have to spend mental or emotional energy measuring up to a vague standard which implies there's something wrong with you or that you are less or worth rejecting if you have sagging skin or of a certain size, have less muscle, thin hair, or less white teeth. In the God-designed truth of meaning, purpose, and significance to living, where does this even fit in? It doesn't. It's not where God places emphasis at all. In one of the letters contained in the Bible, which St. Paul wrote to the community of first-century believers in Corinth, St. Paul gives us the true view, the Jesus view, of the essential value in community of every single person. St. Paul compares the community of which we are all a part to a body. God is in control and in charge, so he is the head. We are all the various parts. For our scripture today, let's read what St. Paul has to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 through 27. All these gifts, achievements, abilities are inspired and brought to pass by one and the same Holy Spirit who apportions to each person individually exactly as he chooses. For just as the body is a unity and yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form one body, so it is with Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. For by means of the personal agency of one Holy Spirit, we are all, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, baptized and by baptism united together into one body and all made to drink of one Holy Spirit. For the body does not consist of one limb or organ, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, would it therefore not be a part of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body, would it be therefore not a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed and arranged the limbs and organs in the body, each particular one of them, just as he wished and saw fit, and with the best adaptation. But if the whole were all a single organ, where would the body be? And now there are certainly many limbs and organs, 
but a single body. And the eye is not able to say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But instead, there is absolute necessity for the parts of the body that are considered the more weak. And those parts of the body which we consider rather ennoble are the very parts which we invest with additional honor and our unseemly parts and those unsuitable for exposure are treated with seemliness, modesty, and decorum, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so adjusted, mingled, harmonized, and subtly proportioned the parts of the whole body, giving the greater honor and richer endowment to the inferior parts which lack apparent importance, so that there should be no division or discord or lack of adaptation of the parts of the body to each other but the members all alike should have a mutual interest in and care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all the members share in the enjoyment of it. Now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it, each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. Look at how amazing God's way is. The parts of the body which society tends to honor less, to think about less, are actually the most valuable. It's the truth. Consider what we talk about. We compliment people on their eyes or their legs or, or their hair. However, who really thinks about the liver? Have you ever had anyone comment in awe and wonder about your intestines? Or say, oh wow, what an amazing pancreas you have. Yet these are the parts, though more hidden and less talked about, that the body cannot live without. The least visible, the least praised, and the most essential. That's how it is for us too. Society will get it wrong. People are fickle, but you can live free of this because God doesn't see things this way. It's not how he made things to be. This does not mean to proceed with bitterness or resentfulness, but a growing confidence because you are increasing in your ability to rely on how God sees you, which is the truth, and decreasing in your worry about what people think. Beautiful, handsome, Nebulous, confusing, and changing concepts within human societies and cultures. Measures which are temporarily established and promoted as very important, but meaningless in the overriding essence of the truth of the meaning of life. Jesus understood. He knew. He didn't care what people thought. He knew their hearts. He knew God's heart and God's priorities, and that's where he focused. As God-seekers, we are looking to become more like Jesus. You were made beautiful. You were made handsome by God, according to his ultimate standards. It's not about any particular external look, but about the heart. One last thought. Consider how it is when people get older. It seems as if it's more difficult to hide how they are on the inside 
with the latest fad fashion look. When you meet an elder, you get a sense quickly whether they are kind or whether they are bitter, whether you want to be around them or not. To this point, how many of us have elders in our lives who no longer fit society's standard of beauty, yet because of who they are, how they are, and how they treat us, how they see us, we see them as some of the most beautiful and to be cherished people of all. Listen to the song, Father Jesus Spirit. You can find it on my YouTube channel. Search under my name, Elizabeth Fulgaro. It is also available on various streaming services and on CD. Thank you for joining in. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Fulgaro. I am praying for you. Use the song, Father Jesus Spirit, as your prayer, and keep seeking God.